Welcome to the Digital Dissection Podcast, hosted by Mark Benke and myself, Joe Vinipal. We're two pop culture nerds dedicated to celebrating our favorite properties and talking to the creative minds and personalities that make them great. You might learn something new about pop culture history or rediscover the recent past. Follow us on social media for weekly pop culture content, where we're always dissecting. Sees me walk in, I just look at him and I go, White Castle. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, the nearest one is like 90 minutes away. Yeah. And I said, White Castle? And he's like, <laughs> White Castle. Yeah. You okay. son of a bitch, okay. I'm in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, dude, we seriously, on a, you know, Saturday night, both of us were, you know, single men in mm-hmm. our prime ish. Yeah, we, we we drove like an hour and a half to Lake Geneva, middle of the night, <laughs> to go get just, go get White Castle. I say these these were times when like fast food places like like between like White Castle and McDonald's, like they had they were either open late or just didn't close. So yeah. um, this is and this is at kind of like I don't want I want to say kind of like the the dawn of that era in the fast food industry because. Normally, uh, you basically, if you wanted to stay up really late and go get some to eat, your best get, like your best bet was like a local diner that didn't close. Um, yeah. But you started getting like the late night menu at McDonald's. Uh, this is when Taco Bell. They're not calling it fourth meal yet because no. they haven't really basically decided to cash in on the fact that they are what everyone goes to get after they are very drunk and shouldn't be driving. Um, to eat. So this is where we just finally start getting this late night, you know, for lack of a better word, single out of shape, like dude, like food or, you know, stoner food um, well, that people just the, go the, to the, get. The best part of this story was we went and bought Crave cases, one for each of us, which I think has like 24 sliders in it. You actually get like a literal suitcase full of, of just greasy goodness <laughs> and of course i got the jalapeno cheese which you just have to get when you oh, go God. out there okay mm-hmm. well my brother and i were like you know east we were well over 300 pounds okay we were we were large large men so of course we gotta challenge each other to the crave case oh yeah mm-hmm. i put down every single ounce of that crave case dude god i'm not saying there was any oh. winners in this mm-hmm. scenario but i, I technically <laughs> won Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I as I won as in most the eating case. contests. There's no winner in round two. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my my, mm-hmm. my brother and I were just so sick. We were so angry with ourselves what we had just done, mm-hmm. and to this day, it's still a good memory, though. Oddly enough, I mean that's the thing, though, because like also sim- somewhat similar. Um, not quite as uh, I can't put the poundage down that uh, you you claimed, but uh, me and former host of the show Chelsea. Uh, we went to Gurney, Illinois to go to Six Flags, and mm. there was a White Castle. And of course, like growing up in Wisconsin, there is like a White Castle. And believe it or not, you know, relatively close to where we went to college, we just didn't know about it. Um, so we're like, hey, this is an opportunity to finally get these tiny, delicious sliders from yeah. the movie that we love so much. And the two of us and one other friend slash roommate 
decide we're going to leave the rest of the party behind because they just want to get sleep for some reason. And we go out to White Castle at like midnight to get food. Mm. And like we don't we also don't go nearly as big as you. We don't get crave cases each. We just get like between us because we do we overestimate what we are doing between the three of us. We think we can take down two crave cases like like these are Mm. tiny burgers. We can we can do this. Chelsea had digestive issues at I think five sliders. Um, and I believe I tapped out somewhere in the realm of nine to 10. So we did not come close to finishing the two crave cases or what our two protagonists individually put down in this movie. Yeah. It's just, it's not, it's not responsible. If you eat that much food, you will die, but pretty much. Yeah. We had like (laughs) solid rocks. In our in our <laughs> stomachs for the next day to go on to roller coasters, like we yeah. somehow completely managed to not vomit the entire time. I don't know how we <laughs> we, we avoided that fate, but waking up was rough. Like it was like if you've ever had a food hangover, we had mm. that in spades that day. <laughs> yeah, well, it's mm-hmm. it's funny how how so many of these experiences that we we kind of universally share are you know. Not just with us in the Midwest, you got folks mm-hmm. out on the East Coast by the names of John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg, who are the creative minds behind Harold and Kumar. You might remember them if you've watched the Cobra Kai series, which is a fantastic piece of nostalgia and brand new mixed together. But they actually based this on their experiences uh, from Randall High School in, in New Jersey. So John Hurwitz... Big fan of White Castle, but he lived in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania at the time. So there was actually no White Castles near him whatsoever. And his family had to bring him frozen ones, which just, God damn it, they don't, they don't taste the same. No. And, oh, and again, this is also something that I always avoided because we sold those at the grocery store that I worked at growing up. Mm-hmm. And there was one employee who would always get the White Castle sliders and have them for lunch at least three times a week. And I would just see those things come out of the microwave, and I knew immediately that this is where the D.A.R.E. program had succeeded, and I knew just to say no if they were offered to me. Oh, God. Absolutely have to say no. And (laughs) the funny thing is, man, it's like we've got like the butterfly effect here that works just a little bit because potentially this wasn't going to be about White Castle. It was actually going to be about Krispy Kreme as the main like food focus of this film. But when it mm-hmm. came time to start to figure out the details, they went, think we're going to back off of the stoner comedy thing. We're going to let White Castle take this one. And I don't think they look back. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there's I mean, there is really a lot going on with this movie where it seems to be like again on the surface, two guys getting high and going to look for food. But along yeah. the way, there's a lot of lot of unpacking you can really do with this movie. So looking at basically um, like looking at how to show racism in the United States and doing it with a laugh um, to a oh, point yeah. where like, again, like it's not I, you don't want to say finger pointing because that's not right. They're clearly pointing out problems that were going on in the country in 2004. Um, yeah. But they did it in a way that it didn't matter who you were. You could laugh at it and understand and still at the same time understand there's a problem. And I think yeah. like few people can do that and do it very well. And like, this is like where like Dave Chappelle comes to mind 
where he can get anyone to laugh at his comedy when it can be about some of the worst things out there. And while at the same time, it doesn't like the fact that this is a problem doesn't escape you. It's just that you can deliver it with a laugh and let you know it's an issue. And that's something that this movie does very, very well. Which, and I don't mean any disrespect to to my Caucasian folk out there, but when it came to teen comedies and a lot of the content that we were getting in this era of, of film, and I love it how we're kind of talking about this academically when we're talking a stoner mm-hmm. comedy, but it's the reality is a lot of these teen comedies were just chock full of like white actors, you know, white students. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have literally, I'm not making this up, like a token black character in every movie. And mm-hmm. so you could, you can look back on this and just go, this is not a snapshot of, of realistic life or lifestyles anywhere. Yeah. And, and so like Hurwitz and Schlossberg back in the early 2000s said, we want to do a comedy but we actually want it to be represented by the people that we were around and the people mm-hmm. that we got to know. And so that's how you end up getting uh, more, more races present in this film, you know, whether it's uh, like obviously Kumar Indian mm-hmm. uh, we've got Harold who is an Asian. And then we've got even, you know, their, their Jewish friends across the, the hallway, all kind of based on real people, you know? So it gave it an identity that a lot of comedies just just didn't have or weren't trying to pull off at the time. Yeah, because, I mean, you've really got, like, things like Not Another Teen Movie or, like, Scary Movie pointing out the flaws in how representation is done in this genre. And I believe it yeah. is um, Not Another Teen Movie where someone, one cast, or maybe it would be Chris Evans, I think, asks another asks the one black character in the movie so like a deeper question. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just the token black character of the movie. I literally have three lines damn shit and that is whack because yes. that seemed to be the the things that they would basically give black people to black people to deliver in these early 2000s movies they were no. basically pigeonholed or like stuck in these very very terrible uh stereotypical roles and i mean it's it's crazy to think that before this point in time studios wouldn't take a chance on this kind of film. And it was actually because of like two younger executives at new line cinema that even gave this the light of day. They were like, you know what? Let's do this. You know, the, the old, the, the, like the 70 year old executives over here that are still scared of mayonnaise. I don't think mm-hmm. they're going to go for this, but, but we will. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and so, that being yeah. said, if you haven't seen this movie, and I know we just praised it for being uh, very ahead of its time. It is still a victim of its time. And as like as we as a society begin to change and grow, we do draw lines in what we we typically use as cannon fodder for comedy and what we don't. And there are things in this movie that definitely do show its age and definitely will not find oh. its way into modern comedy or modern comedy movies. Yeah, the, the way that these characters talk to each other, I don't know if you want to call it like hazing or mm-hmm. this is what early 2000s dudes were saying to each other. I, you know, I'm not obviously this age anymore, so I can't, ex- yeah. I can't explain mm-hmm. what children or teenagers are talking like. But, you know, the, it, when I was watching it at that time, I went, yeah, this this seems believable to me. I, oh, I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I've heard people talk this way to each other. Um, but, but case in point, though, we have headliner or people headlining this film 
mm-hmm. you typically won't find anywhere else from this same era. Um, and that's that's where most people got familiar with Cal Penn, who you yeah. know, plays Kumar, mm-hmm. who, oddly enough, almost wasn't picked for this movie. He actually had to audition seven times before they said, he's our guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Rough times for Cal Penn. I mean, this guy goes on to have some pretty good chops. Like, he goes on to be on House as a series regular. Um, I believe he actually worked for Barack Obama. <laughs> like, yeah, he did. He left so, acting mm-hmm. to go work for their administration. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I think he is in an absolutely unforgettable role as Thug 3 in Superman Returns, as he doesn't <laughs> even have right. a speaking role in that movie. He's just there and then That's gets right. crushed unceremoniously. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that I think about it, I, I do remember after this point looking at these actors and going, "Oh man, I remember them from this." It's like, "Oh, okay, they're 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 a smaller role here," and and John Cho, who plays you know Harold Lee, who you know obviously is our Sulu now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, in the in the Star Trek cinematic universe, yeah. Uh, I didn't, I mean, because like before this, like he had a smaller role in uh, American Pie. And yeah. he was in a great TV series that always freaking escapes me, like surrounds a restaurant and some like early people in their 20s, like running it. And he is a very perverted oh. cook uh, who oh, like, oh, yeah. yeah. And he has like my favorite, like, like very sad man, like talking to women attempt, like pickup line ever where he walks yeah. up to a girl and he says, hey, and she responds with hello. And then he just yeah. stops for a second and goes, oh. Sorry, I usually don't get this far. <laughs> he just just gives us a dead stop right there. But yeah, it goes on to be um, our Hikaru, uh, Hikaru Sulu and like just knocks that role completely out of the park. Does oh, yeah. an amazing job in it. A lot of people were giving him shit for like this, the dramatic turn in his career where it was mm-hmm. like, you were literally Harold Lee in, in this movie. How can you play somebody seriously? And it's because... He's an actor, people. Yeah, Actors act. They do other things. Yeah, he was Jeez. also in a, a short-lived but fun series called Selfie with Karen Gillian. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. yeah. So if you if you have not seen that, I believe you can – I think Peacock might have it. Um, hmm. But you can look it up. You could probably find it on YouTube. Uh, Selfie is going to be somewhere. And now this movie is – chock full of like hollywood fun extras as well now the extras like it's like they're good solid hollywood talent and they just show up in this movie we had already mentioned neil patrick harris who Mm -hmm. i feel like for his role of barney stinson in how much mother they're like okay we want you to do what you did in harold and kumar but dial it down just like you know eight or nine bits like Barney shouldn't be like trying to like brand the women he's sleeping with, but he does try and sleep with, with just about everyone. Uh, But we also have Fred Willard in this. So if you know your comedy chops, uh, he's like kind of right away in the beginning. Uh, Otherwise, by the way, yes, rest in peace. Passed away Um, in 2020. Oh yeah. During the plague year. It's always, mm-hmm. which did he, did he pass away of COVID or was it, was something unrelated? I don't know. It's hard to tell at that point yeah. in time. We just kind of slapped mm-hmm. it on everybody's death certificate. So yeah. Cause of death. Uh, but in a, a much more happier note, Anthony Anderson does make a um, appearance in this. So if you are f- not familiar with him by name, uh, if you've watched the first Transformers by Michael Bay, he is in there as well. He gets, um, he, he tells he eats all the donuts and then quickly says, "Don't talk to me, criminal." 
Um, yeah. Also has his own show, Blackish, which had a pretty good run yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And from Mad TV, we had Bobby Lee shows up in here. Yes. Which absolutely hilarious actor, Bobby Lee. He is hands down one of the funniest people on Mad TV whenever he's on the screen. His tank character kills me every single time. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. He he's mm-hmm. he's a big comedian now. Uh he he's got a really popular podcast and it it I think you almost forget that that's who he is because yeah. he he plays this so nondescript role, but he has, mm-hmm. you know, he has several lines and he, when I went back and watched this probably like 6 years ago, I was like, "Holy shit. That's not Bobby the same Lee. guy, is it?" <laughs> it is. Bobby wow. fucking Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then Oh yeah. Also showing up for peak hilarity, Ryan fucking Reynolds shows up in this movie uh, as yes. a as a nurse with just just the tiniest crush on Kumar. Um, <laughs> but, but, marijuana, but why? But why? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh. Is you're, you're, uh, it's okay. I'm not sweating. No, you're glistening. You just <laughs> yeah, chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> oh <my> god. <laughs> god damn it. Um, Christopher Maloney of um, uh, Law and Order is here. Uh, Officer yes. Stabler, Detective Stabler, if you're unfamiliar, also shows up in Man of Steel um, for a movie there. And then Malin Akerman of Watchmen, who's Silk Spectre mm-hmm. in this movie mm-hmm. as well. So we just have a ton of people in this movie uh, where it's it's almost like you uh, or and, and I, before I, I I can't forget because. Every time, like I, I find myself on a long road trip and having to pull aside to use the bathroom, I always expect Jamie Kennedy to meet me at a bush oh, because yeah. of this movie. <laughs> yes, okay. we are definitely going to get there. Yes, the, there's mm-hmm. there's there's three other names that I wanted to shout out quickly here because for people that have watched teen movies of this era, actually a little bit predating this, you have uh, Ethan Embry, who I think anybody who watched a '90s teen movie. Would recognize his face, maybe not his name, but he's been all over the place. And then their roommates across the hallway, Goldstein and Rosenberg, played mm-hmm. by David Crumholtz and Eddie K. Thomas. So Crumholtz, we know as Mr. Mr. Universe, Universe and, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. in Serenity. And Eddie K. Thomas is from American Pie as well from that series. So it's there's a yeah, there's a lot of recognizable people in mm-hmm. this movie, um, which maybe at the time wasn't as noticeable but now it's like holy shit this is like well, a, a packed pack, that's also yeah. the thing is like the budget on this movie was nine million dollars how did they get <sighs> all of these people for nine million and granted like at the time they were not all the names that they are now yeah but still like ryan reynolds I, at that time is pretty established for a cameo he's at least probably one ninth of that budget i'm assuming yeah well, so mm-hmm. it, box office, 23.9 million, damn near 24. Oof. But to your point, mm-hmm. Cal Penn made like 75K making this movie. And by the time you dice it up with like lawyers and all the expenses mm-hmm. and taxes and stuff, it, it, the math came out to like he made like 22 grand from this film. Wow. <laughs> so, that yeah, that is that uh, that's robbery right there. Like holy crap. You're <laughs> not going to make retirement money off of this one, but No. Mm-hmm. Here here's the thing. Labor of love. We've got mm-hmm. like an independent level budget here, which means we got to talk about some ratings real quick. Let's see how the audiences and the critics had to say about this one. Joe, okay. 
All right. What's what's your guess for where the, the like let, let's just do it this way. How far okay. apart do you think the audience and the critics were on this rating? I think they're gonna be um not like a fine line apart. I think they're gonna be like a grand canyon apart on this one because this is one where I think critically as a movie I think people are going to rip it apart because it just seems like an outlandishly stupid comedy at points with just one unbelievable incident after the next with very, and they'll say probably there's not enough focus on like the undertones and issues in society. So I feel like they would probably try ripping that apart. Whereas the audience would go at it and just like, you're there for a good time. And that's what this movie does. It is, it is pure entertainment. So I think audience is going to love this. Critics are going to either be like, it was okay or hate it. So I think there's going to be a, a gap, sizable gap in this one. Well, Joe, you are correct that audiences love this movie. They gave it an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's good. But the critics gave it a 74. Oh, you know, 6%. That's not bad. <laughs> Only 6% like, gap. Mm -hmm. Critics saw exactly what you and I saw. They were like, holy shit. And I... I want to read some of the reviews like we have been this 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 season mm -hmm. on the program because I do think some of these reviews paint a pretty good picture, okay? So for the positive review, we have get you some of your favorite greasy comfort food and spend some time with Harold and Kumar. The time is right for some socially optimistic comedy. Ooh. So yeah. that's, that's actually a fairly recent review, which given... Mm -hmm kind of the state of how race kind of is and, and where we live. I got to say that the optimistic comedy there is a, mm -hmm. you know, that, that stands out to me. Yeah. Um, I would, I would agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which shifting more to the neutral side, we have to their credit, John or to their credit, to their credit, mm -hmm. John Cho and Cal Penn do have a nice chemistry, even if they're stuck in a dead end film. Ooh, ouch. Oh, that's I mean, like that's like a guy interviewing um, uh, Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill after Superbad and asking them, how does it feel to either be in one movie for the rest of your life or be typecasted and asking mm. if their careers are over that? Oof, that's a kick in the pants right there. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> oof. I, you know, it does hurt. But this is the truly negative one, which is. There is an audience that will appreciate this, but they may struggle to see it through the smoke. And <laughs> really, if mm -hmm. we're if we're talking about stoner comedies here, okay, yeah, these guys are clearly smoking weed. We get it, like that. Mm -hmm. That's a shtick, but in no way does it feel like a shtick in every single Seth Rogen movie. No, mm -mm. nope. <laughs> right? I would, yeah, I would argue that Seth Rogen's focus on getting high. Like Pineapple Express, like there are, there's like multiple montages of getting high in that movie. <laughs> Whereas in yeah. this one, two, I guess you know, one, there's one high montage and there's one very vivid fantasy about a giant <laughs> bag of pot. <laughs> oh God, it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite cutscenes or, or oh. whatever you want to call it. Like it's just mm -hmm. one of my favorite, just ridiculous over the top sequences of the comedy. I, I think it's second to Harold's um like dream sequence 
uh, with bullets, my only weakness. Yes. How did my you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, god! Which which is hilarious given the budget of this movie. Like they were able to actually do some some decent like asides from the main story and all that. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not. This isn't a special effects you know blockbuster or anything. To your point, though, this movie feels like what some of my like late college, early professional career kind of felt like. And when I watched Harold and Kumar as a high schooler, I thought, yeah, this is great. This is like a, a peek into the future kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But over time, the more I realized was that to me, like Harold and Kumar are, are not two separate people. They're actually one. And I felt this way because, you know, when I was in college, yes, I, I dabbled and I tried some fun things. I also had to balance the professional side of my career, though, and mm-hmm. letting go of some of that. And I feel like it was like two versions of myself living together and trying to, you know, get through life. I mean, mm-hmm. what what was your take on, you know, the, I guess the uh, the idea of these two different people, these stoners versus being productive members of mm-hmm. society? <laughs> well, like I, I I see them as two different people, and that's just because I think. Um, when I look back at like my first like college roommate that I had um, when I was in UW Whitewater, uh, I very much saw the two of us like kind of mirroring these two, minus like you know like neither of us like really got like we're getting high like all the time or constantly or really ever. Um, but like I felt definitely the like kind of like the the burden of needing to succeed, so I I I didn't skip classes no matter what I did the night before. Um, I did my homework. I got on, it was done on time. It was done to the highest ability I could do every single time. And if it wasn't, I tried redoing it. Like I tried to a T to do as well as I could all the time and to do what was expected of me by either my family or the university or anyone who was watching me. Meanwhile, my other friend, um, who, yeah, not to be named, but may have popped up in an episode when we talked about an anime uh, definitely was just there for a good time and may have had no fewer than 26 grandmothers die in his college career. And they were used as excuses as to why he couldn't go to a final on time over several times. So he definitely found ways to like kind of push things around and like put off the responsibility because in his mind, those responsibilities were were abstract like they were they're placed on us by society he thought it was bullshit and he'd get to it when he felt like getting to it so i very much saw like them as two different characters because i identified with one uh which not to say that like what i experienced is the same sort of like societal pressure that harold or people or asian people would would experience but i definitely had that sense of duty and supposing to and, and needing to be um, or needing to perform well. Whereas my friend is like, nah, fuck it. We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's, what's great about this man is that when we, when we f- first saw this movie, we might've just looked at it as, let me pick out pieces of characters that I think are kind of like me, but it's, it's funny that for a comedy, you can kind of imprint yourself on aspects of either both characters or maybe one specifically. And, I, I don't do that with many comedies. Usually I'm just kind of like going, yep, mm-hmm. I'm just here for the ride, you know, but, and this one I did kind of match a little bit with, with both of them. And I don't know, maybe that's why, maybe that's why I love it so much, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think again, like 
the importance of representation within a movie or in media is very important for everyone, which is why it's so great to start to see the diversity in this film, because sometimes it is just really good to see someone who looks like you being on screen. And other times it's also, it's great to have someone who like in this case, like Harold, who is a very different person than me, yet I identified so much with Harold uh, throughout yeah. this movie. And especially his like, the sad inability to speak with women for a good chunk of my life or like the inability to figure out when women liked me. Yeah. I cannot tell you the amount of times where like we'd leave a place and someone say, Hey, that girl was into you. And I'd be like, really? Should we go back? And they're like, no, no, it's too late. You, you've screwed it up. You have to go again. I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess we'll try next better. Better luck next time. Here we go. Um, I- Mm-hmm. I do love that how when you know he sees their their neighbor who he clearly has a crush on and it goes through the sequence of like what he wishes he would have done and <laughs> oh then it shows what gosh. he actually yep. did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just awkward silence the entire Perfect. time. <laughs> oh. Yep. Mhm. Yeah. Oh, it's that is fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's 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 just perfectly encapsulates those who do what another movie encaps uh explained so well as putting putting something on a pedestal uh, mm-hmm. and just overthinking everything instead of just, you know, start with hello, my name is, and go from there. <laughs> That's all you really have to do. Um, I, mm-hmm. th- there's something funny about this that has nothing to do with, with like that, that whole mentality. Mm-hmm. One thing I always like to do with these properties is point out something that you're going to notice throughout, you know, certain sequences. And, one part of this like early portion of the movie is actually Cal Penn and what he's wearing. And in, in one uh, sequence, he's wearing a shirt that says, I love Bush, but not the president. And then it shows, <laughs> you know, a graphic on the shirt. Mm-hmm. There's also another one though, where it says Mikrob across his shirt and it has this little mm-hmm. like angry looking face on it. And fans of South Park will know Mikrob is a horrific dish that Eric Cartman absolutely hates. <laughs> <laughs> but Mikrob <laughs> mm-hmm. is also apparently a band of one of the director's nephews, which is why Cal Penn wears this shirt like throughout most of the film. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like like for, for Harold, his style of dress is fairly consistent throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, Kumar, no. If you watch Kumar, his his shirts are like drastically different scene to scene. And it's it's worth paying attention to the next time mm-hmm. you take a take a gander at this film. Yeah. Another thing that's pretty much constantly changing, not constantly changing, but always showing up in the film consistently from one spot to the next are the extreme douchebags that are here in this movie. When we say extreme, it is basically think of a Mountain Dew commercial in the 90s and make them all assholes. And that is what you have as the bullies throughout this movie. They they drive uh, like a like an 86 Ford Bronco painted go man go orange. They have mm-hmm. a kayak and a a freaking what am I thinking of? Hang glider on top of it through the entire movie. There's a kayak. They're always there's a kayak like, on it. Yeah, there's a kayak, yeah, because yeah. they use it in a scene. And they also like obviously the hang glider gets used in the scene uh, later on in the movie too. But they're always yelling extreme at everything <laughs> they do and it's it is laughably bad on purpose. Like these are the idiots who think they're very cool. And yet they just come off as fucking assholes to Mm -hmm. absolutely everyone around them. Yeah. We all knew somebody like this in the two thousands. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, every one of us knew somebody who thought they, just because they had a little extra seasoning on their Dorito, that they were harder than everyone else. <laughs> but it's, mm -hmm. it is a snapshot that looks totally out of place now. But back then it was like, yep, mm -hmm. this, this makes sense. Even though yep. Harold and Kumar are like clearly in their like early to mid twenties, why they're still getting bullied is a little strange, but I mean, yeah. mm -hmm. you got, you got to have struggle, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're. <sighs> There's always going to be douchebags out there who think they're better than everyone, no matter where they are. Um, and at one point, I mean, obviously, there's a part where um, Kumar goes off on a police officer, um, like explaining yes. that they're like they went on to be in college. He was in high school and he stayed in high school basically for the rest of his life. I mean, it's the same concept for these bullies. They've been in the same mentality since the eighth grade. It never really stopped for them. They're adults now, only in age. And they're out there doing their extreme dumbass bullshit. We, don't, we have no idea what they're doing for jobs, by the way, because mm -hmm. we're assuming that they somehow have money to fill up, you know, their their Bronco that gets, you know, three miles to the gallon with the wind at its back and like <laughs> to support all their. I mean, the Doritos Mountain Dew, they're probably stealing. Let's face it. They're yeah. not paying for that shit. I mean, it's it's food stuffs. I mean, you, yeah. you can get deals. Mm -hmm. You can get. De they were still giving Mountain Dew away when you looked under the cap back then. So that's true. You know, mm -hmm. there, there's there, there's some believability with that. But I think oh, the yeah. the the truly immersive part of this movie, despite all the other stuff we've talked about, mm -hmm. is the fact that these characters are struggling with things that everybody struggles with at this point in time in their lives. That's yeah. why that's why the representation is so important because it's you get to see that like every race, yes, we have nuances and there's differences between us, mm -hmm. but then you also can see how so many of our struggles are universal too. And that takes form in what you mentioned with obviously the relationships that we're seeing, mm -hmm. like Harold just struggle hard with, but also potential careers like, like Kumar's family is trying to force him into med school, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Harold is trying to do well at his job and, you know, trying to tow the company line, even though the company is, Kind of fucking them over. Oh, they're douchebags. Yeah, mm -hmm. but, junior but analyst seriously. at that, but still, mm -hmm. yeah. But I mean, that's that was that's still reality for mm -hmm. a lot of people, dude. Oh, it's yeah. not just it's not just 2004. This is still mm -hmm. something that people are going through all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, and, it, it, yeah, and the fact that parents will always age and say things they don't understand that are funny to us, like yes. when when Harold is getting not Harold when when Kumar is trying to like get out of a conversation with the dad. He goes, Oh, come on, dad. And he was, his dad responds with daddy's not coming on to anything. <laughs> yep. And he's fighting so, like, back laughing. He's the fighting whole back, time like, trying not to laugh. So if you look at the couch behind me, we had to move that ridiculously heavy bottom recliner portion and like the tops, like, like go on and off to it. And my dad had one method of putting it back on. And I'm like, I think we should just set the other one flat and I could just shove it down and use gravity to help me push it onto its like bracketing. He's like, no, no, no. We'll all lift it up and you can push it on that way. And of course we do it and it gets stuck and it doesn't want to go on. He's like, ah, oh, just jerk that thing off right there. And I, I just stopped. Just <laughs> I wanted to be like, are we using phrasing, dad? Like, yeah. I don't know if we are, but here we go. Could, could you could you just build on that statement just a little bit? Yep. I just need to know mm -hmm. where you're coming from. We're different, I need different you, generations. Just I need you to elaborate when you say jerk the thing off. Like, is it like a, a tough jerk? Should I be gentle and loving when I pull it off? Like, I don't know what you want me to do with the couch. I'm looking yeah. for pointers. <laughs> you know, when when I look at 
like films like this because raunchy is what mm-hmm. I mean. It's just a natural segue. We're talking about jerking off and going into the raunchy territory. Almost yeah. every teen movie has that raunchy like label attached to it. Oh yeah, and even mm-hmm. th- there's even parts of like American Pie that I looked at where I went, yeah, you're calling it raunchy, but we're kind of specific to like three scenes, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, and this is in the these are three scenes in the unrated edition uh that eventually <laughs> shows up for all these like this has an unrated edition your trip had an unrated edition all the american pies had unrated editions and nowadays it's like ah oh, we just fucking release it as it is there's no unrated things like nope nope it's all fun smut like enjoy yeah but this this one doesn't really hold back right like <laughs> mm-hmm. like like right away we're we're being introduced to kumar like shaving his pubes with Harold's, mm-hmm. you know, nose, nose clipper, uh, you know, mm-hmm. moments later, we've got, we've got, we've got the roommates talking about Katie Holmes getting naked oh in a movie gosh. that they're waiting to see, which that also a timepiece, because this is when internet porn, very sketchy. And that like, you've got like a literally a 50, 50 shot of a virus or malware, whatever you click yeah. on. And if like celebrity porn was like a very big thing for quite a while before like sex tapes were a thing and you'd actually see the person, it would always be some sort of random porn star from either like Europe or some other part of the world and a poorly like photoshopped image of like a celebrity's like face on that body. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, that's not them. So when a celebrity would actually get naked in a movie, that was a big deal. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm, yeah. That's like, yeah. She's a good, wholesome girl, and I'm gonna see her boobs. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, because that's the only way you're gonna see him. Like, you're not seeing him any other way in this day and time. There's one line David Crumholtz will never be able to live down, which is <laughs> the things I eat out of her ass. And you're just like, <laughs> oh my god. If, if, if you hadn't seen Crumholtz in a lot of things yet, mm-hmm. you'd be looking at this and going, holy shit, this guy's filthy. <laughs> but I love it because mm-hmm. he, he he plays such a wide range of characters that this one, this one is he, he has a hilarious line in the second one, uh, which maybe we'll review one day. But oh my God, mm-hmm. it's just just yes, they, they are kind of stereotypical in, in a way, but mm-hmm. they're they're once again, they're some of the fun, these guys in the beginning are some of the funniest characters in oh, the film yeah. and. And so that, that's why I think when you when you say raunchy, mm-hmm. raunchy is uh, is I, like other teen comedies. I feel like they're the diet version of that. <laughs> Harold and mm-hmm. Kumar actually carries the raunchiness throughout. There's not a whole lot of breaks. Like you, you you've you've got consistent scenes. Like we're talking, uh, like with. <laughs> Things like the raccoon having rabies and oh like, my God. Mm-hmm. like spitting blood all over uh, Harold, you know, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you've already mentioned Jamie Kennedy walking up to, to oh, uh, Kumar mm-hmm. and just peeing in the middle of the forest. Um, but then you've got like, battle shits. You got battle shits. Oh, Joe. battle shits. Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. The two like prim and proper um, English women uh, going to, was it Princeton? Not Princeton. Yeah, yeah, Princeton. Was it Princeton? Yeah, yeah, it was Princeton. Yep. Yeah. And then they go, like, Harold and Kumar find their way into a, a, a women's bathroom to avoid being caught. And then they're stuck in a stall between these two women playing battleships, where it's just 
one loud excrement versus the next loud excrement. And if you cannot make another very loud shit, you're out. You lose the game. Your battle shit has been sunk. <laughs> I, I think even oh I my lose God. this game. I mean, as much as I think I could I could give it a good go, I, I don't think I'd be able to do battle shits. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think... Like, this is a game where... Like, you have to wonder, like, is this something that someone actually did? Or is this just a goofy thought someone had? Because, again, like, also, like, I guess, like, what do you have to eat to be able to do this? Like, the amount of, like, <laughs> they, they say taco shits in this movie. Like, I don't yeah. know the amount of Taco Bell I'd have to consume to pull off what these women did in this movie. Granted, like, again, didn't actually do it at sound effects, as far as we know. But, um, yeah, don't know <laughs> yeah. how much I'd have to eat. <laughs> to pull that I, off mm -hmm. it's but it's just one example of how you know th this is a movie that like if you compared it to let's say like a euro trip mm -hmm. right like like euro trip has some pretty iconic sequences which you know is like the miscuzi guy for example yeah. or mm -hmm. or the robot fight in in france mm -hmm. but for me like harold and kumar there's there's just iconic thing after iconic thing like yeah. mm -hmm. in, in the beginning we have the marijuana kills commercial where the guy is like, I'm so high, oh, I'm going to blow my, my head off, right? Which, yep, again, 2000s time capsule right there. Oh, Early God. naughties. Like, that was like, yep, yeah. those were the dumb commercials we had. That that yeah. hit the nail on the head. Like, that's not even, that's not a very, that's not an exaggeration of what we saw on TV. No. no. Nope. That's pretty damn close. <laughs> but, but, mm -hmm. it, but that stuff continues throughout. Like, now, yeah. in some of the future mm -hmm. installments of this series, they... I don't know if they can quite do it nearly as well as this one, but no. I mean, mm -hmm. the, the, the way that the sequences work and how they carry over from thing to thing, mm -hmm. we've talked about this idea of like, you know, pausing and, and like, you know, taking your disbelief and saying goodbye mm -hmm. to it for a little bit. I do feel like if you're going out in the middle of the night to go grab food, you're going to see weird things. You are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. And that's, that's, that's again, like when we, we think of like raunchy things, this is where freak show comes in and like, <laughs> oh, God. <Yes. laughs> oh my God, another like insanely quotable thing is basically everything that comes out of freak show's mouth. Um, <laughs> this, this well, is detective Stabler, by the way, he's, he's yeah. covered in these terrible boils. He has this big, weird nose like on him. He has a speech impediment when he talks. Um, he's got crust coming, like crust and wax coming out of his ears. Harold oh. Kumar next to him in a truck, uh, like whispering back and forth over how disgusting this guy looks. And Harold spends the entire time saying he is two feet from us. Just because we're whispering doesn't mean he can't hear us. <laughs> and then like Kumar just points out thing after thing after thing and saying there's no way he can hear us. Then just gets like awkwardly quiet. I heard everything you said. It's like, yeah. oh God. <laughs> Re really, like, really mm -hmm. quietly, too. Like, if you haven't seen yeah. this movie before or you haven't mm -hmm. seen it a whole lot, the way he says that it's so soft, almost like he's oh. he's so disappointed that, it, mm -hmm. like, oh, someone made fun of me again. But, like, it's under his breath. He's like, yeah. How did you see it? I heard what you said. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and he's not the, trying to escalate it either, right? No. <laughs> so and like, when he, he's introducing himself and like, he's getting their names. Uh, Cause that's even another part of the whole, like, plan. like maybe he can't really hear them because they'll say like, my name's, I'm Harold and Kumar. And they're like, all right, Kumi. Hey, yeah, Gerald. Hey, Kumi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's just super optimistic and super nice, but can't. Like, 
Oh Dude, my it's... god. And it's it, this is another thing like they try doing it again. He has that that kind of like awkward southern accent to him. He is very very religious as well. Yeah. Um very much loves the Lord. Uh and this is something that they try repeating in the second movie. And while yeah. what they do in the second movie is does have its like giggles to it, like nowhere near as hilarious as what they pull off with Freak Show and his wife in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with you on that because mm-hmm. I, I think it is the uh, the likability of Freak Show, even though mm-hmm. he's like horrific to look at. But the the whole sequence is like painted mm-hmm. like this like this horror sequence. And then it ends mm-hmm. up not being that at all, which is the no. that, that that's what the whole the whole point of that sequence mm-hmm. was. It's like the, there's no point in that where like you have solid footing as a viewer, but it, 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 at no point was it like, oh, I saw this coming. <laughs> like it, it's just <laughs> no. it's just no. none of that happens in this mm-hmm. entire sequence, which I, I think is what makes it so great because yeah. this is like the setup. To mm-hmm. what makes Neil Patrick Harris's appearance? Oh my God! Yes, like like <laughs> land so hard as it does. Oh, you know, like because mm-hmm. it's we, we it get, is yeah yeah. I say this is someone who I think for I think a majority of us out there, it was literally like we had Doogie Hauser, and yeah. then it was Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, and we didn't see Neil Patrick Harris in a whole lot between those two things. Starship and Troopers. You of course he was in Starship Troopers, um, <laughs> which like smaller of like the three like roles in that, because I think even Denise Richards's role was, was she had more speaking lines in that movie than, than PH did. But mm-hmm. like he is himself, but he is very much a caricature of child actor in this movie more than Neil Patrick Harris, because as we know, Neil Patrick Harris is gay. And in this movie, he is a womanizer to the millionth degree. He is like blowing, he's like snorting coke off a hooker's ass out of a sunroof at one yeah. point. <laughs> um, he, he talks about how he banged every hot piece of ass on Doogie Hauser, yes. um, except, except for the one nurse. Never yeah. went all the way with her. Yeah. <laughs> and just stares. <laughs> which, which I think is what's, what's great oh. is that either, either not a lot of people knew that he was gay at the time. Uh, or it was a complete like just that wasn't that wasn't something anyone really knew mainstream mm-hmm. wise, and so for him it's it's kind of the perfect role because like you mentioned he's kind of in obscurity for maybe what ten fifteen years mm-hmm. he comes back in like one of his biggest you know most high profile appearances and this is the movie that everybody's like holy shit NPH in the flesh like he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah. It's like, sup? You know, it's like, like what? Like, what? <laughs> who, who is this man? Bro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. left some blood stains in the back. I'm sorry. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he, like he, he's only he's in the movie for only a few minutes, but man, that he, that oh, that's the oh, art of the cameo, man. That's how a cameo a, should work. Yes, because when he is there for those few minutes, he has you. He has everyone paying attention to him where you could have like very suddenly a quick switch to Hilton Kumar. They could be naked from head to toe. and We wouldn't have noticed because yeah, Neil Patrick exactly. Harris was there and he's just completely commanding the scene. Dude, the, the first time I saw it, I, I remembered 
that like I didn't I couldn't look away. I was like, wait, wait, that's that's fucking Doogie Hauser. Doogie Hauser. Like, but but like, why why does he mm-hmm. seem like he's stoned out of his mind? And then I'm like, oh, because he is. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is this is making sense now. But like <laughs> his his mm-hmm. like cameo in this is so well done that I kind of feel like the 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 writers of How I Met Your Mother had to have been paying attention and went, yeah, yeah, let's. Let's, let's put that in our show. We want let's that, that for Barney. Somehow. Yep. Like, yeah. But again, <laughs> yeah. we have to we have to water it down for TV a little bit. So yeah, we, this is we network can't TV. Have that. Yeah. Yes. So when we look back at the fact again, this is 2004. And one, it's just crazy to think of how old this movie is now for those of mm. us who remember seeing it was brand new. But also, again, Mark, how crazy do you think it was for New Line Cinema to actually take on something like this? Well, kind of how we opened this, I think it was nuts for them to give it a shot at this point mm-hmm. in time. I mean, we, we we talked about how on our, our TikTok, how like four years before this, the Make 7 Up Yours campaign was too provocative mm-hmm. for the Super Bowl commercial ads, right? So we're only a couple years removed from that. And mm-hmm. I, I still think that there was a lot of people that were wearing tidy whities and you know, not ready for this kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. I, so I do think it was kind of a crazy move by New Line because I feel like New Line for, you know, probably a good 10 years, right? Like we're talking like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Like like they were taking chances on stuff like this. Yeah. And didn't they, didn't they do the first Mortal Kombat movie too? Like, yeah, they that, did. I appreciate they, they did. did that, which again, as you know, for the most part, video games into movies, not a winning formula. And they had made to that date, the best video game based movie ever with that first Mortal Kombat movie. Annihilation, not so much, (laughs) but, um, but then like they give us something like blade coming out closer to this movie. And that was a huge, like that's a movie that saved Marvel. Again, we're talking about a time when, Marvel as a comic book company is declaring bankruptcy. They they have to ax like entire like like lines. The 2099 line had to die, uh, and so did other things. And Blade comes along and is a hit, and it makes it so that you know the Tobey Maguire Spider Man that we all love so much is even possible in the first place. So yeah. they have taken chances, but they also have a reputation to uphold at this point in time. So, like you said, this movie was a departure from like the stuff that they had succeeded with and was, I would, I would have to agree, you know, a risk for them and a risk that I'm very glad that they took. I am too. I mean, I, and we're not talking like MCU blockbuster, you know, box office performance here, mm-hmm. but we are talking a movie that made three times its budget back. And that's impressive. It's like, very impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a movie that's called Harold and Kumar go to White Castle in 2004, if if I had no understanding of any any other movies, I'm just looking at the titles, I'd go, what the mm-hmm. hell is that? <laughs> like, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what the shit's going on? And so, yes, I do think it was it was a bit crazy to see this happen at this point in time. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it is a kind of a diving board for a lot of other people taking chances with, you know, telling stories that involve race, but don't just make it about race. Right. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it was important for a lot of people to see these characters do the things they were doing and not have 
you know, undertones on everything, right? Yeah, I mean, just I had one friend at the time when we saw this, and he compared it to like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Obviously, not in the sense of like it's the same movie, but Ferris Bueller's Day Off was a coming of age movie for a generation. It was something that, like, I think older audiences could maybe laugh at here and there, but kind of write off the rest of it. And I think this was the same thing. Obviously, like, there is, like, the stoner comedy part of it that was definitely completely absent from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But there <laughs> yes. was an important message to Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that you have to actually take time out of your life to enjoy life every once in a while because it'll be over before you know it. And in this same idea, this movie is trying to get us to understand what are the important aspects of our life and that we have to actually take a chance at getting those things that we want because we could only have so many of those chances. And whether it is asking out like the, the person you've had a crush on since you moved into your building, or if it's finally like figuring out your calling or what it is that you want to do with your life and telling your parents to stick it, even though they may have been right. Um, mm -hmm. It's that same vein. It is this post-college, I'm supposed to know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I still kind of don't. And we start to approach now finally knowing what I should be doing with my life. So mm -hmm. it's I, I agree with my friend in that aspect, is that it's that same idea. It is an audience now at a certain spot in their life, and this movie speaks to them directly no matter who they are. And while our characters in this movie may not know how much time they have left, we actually do with regards to this program because it is time for us to go. And with that, we do thank you for listening to Digital Dissection. As always, we appreciate everything the Dissection crew does for us week after week. Your support does go a long way. And if you happen upon this show by accident, why not drop us a review or a comment on the show? We also love hearing from you. So why not drop us a line at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com where we always welcome your ideas for future shows, conversations, and maybe a good place to eat one late, late night. And until next time, keep on dissecting. <laughs>